Yeah, I, this is ruining my night, to be honest with you. I, I, <laughs> ugh. You click this article because you cannot click it. It's about the guy who's in the Barney costume all through the 90s. And uh-huh. in 2004, he started a tantric sex business. What? And this is so gnarly. I thought, like, oh, this is going to be so funny. But it kind of literally is childhood ruining because <laughs> there's a quote here. And I can't help. It's a quote from him. And I can't help but read it in the Barney voice. Oh, no. What is he saying? Even through a G-spot massage, it's not the same energy that flows. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I never want to think about Barney talking about I never want to think about Barney ever again. I can't think of him in the same light now. Thanks, J-Dog. Oh, there's videos, too. Oh, no. Stop, 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 stop. Okay, okay, okay. Welcome, everybody, to the season premiere episode of the Forever Bogus Podcast. It's me, your bogus host that knows the most. B-Boy, Bogus Bryce, joined, finally, by my best friend. You know him as your favorite rapper from the middle school lunch table, Jamie Killsby, a.k.a. Hello, my name is the guy who used to play party as a Jerry Curl mullet. Oh, no, no, and- no, 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 <laughs> no. he's got no, a he's got no. a Jerry Curl mullet now. <laughs> um, I could dig that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah, it's J-Dog, your favorite rapper from the middle school lunch table, back again uh, on Thank the Forever Bogus podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so happy that we're finally starting this season. And uh, I really don't know how to start. Like We've been talking about doing this all throughout the summer while we're on our summer hiatus. Do you have an idea of like how we should start or at least have an idea for a topic for our very first episode of the fifth season? Uh, I'm glad you asked because I was thinking episode one can be the forever. No, wait. Okay. Fart ever. Butt gas Ooh. podcast. Fart ever butt gas podcast. We'll talk about all our favorite <laughs> farts and burps and in, in pop culture. I love this idea. What do you think? Because I think that there is like a, a Tom Foolery just like clip of like a hundred farts and belches and stuff. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can go through that and figure out which one, like maybe dissect each one and figure out what makes it so good. We went to college, folks. <laughs> I do have a bachelor's in science, baby. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, man. I was hey, no, you work at a school, don't you? I do, yes. What do you teach, motherfucker? Fucking I don't teach anything, thankfully. I, I, am, I am a data specialist. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not responsible for children, thankfully. All right. All right. All right. I was just checking. I was, you know, what are you teaching these four-year-olds uh, about Rocco's Modern Life and shit like that? Hey, man. Rocco's Modern Life goes hard sometimes. But, but I think a really good idea to kind of kick off this season is to discuss that weird, strange trivia, like bizarre nostalgia from our childhood and stuff kind of like that weird barney trivia you just laid on us for no reason Mm. so that's a no on the fart ever butt gas podcast unfortunately not maybe we'll revisit it in the next few years (sighs) (laughs) 
Got to open a Patreon for that fart episode, guys. What do you think? But yeah, no, that's great. I, I love these weird little facts that are, uh, you know, they're some somewhat stranger facts are stranger than fiction in some cases, <laughs> uh, kind of things like that. But uh, yeah, great water cooler facts to impress your nerds, coworkers, your stupid nerd idiot coworkers <laughs> with now that you're back in the office. Hey, remember to be nice to them because you never know what will happen if you piss them off in the future. Yeah, they could come up with a rifle. Oh, that's not <laughs> that's what what's funny about that is how unfunny that is that's, that's yes the, i should yes. not be laughing because no. that shit is serious nowadays yeah but let's jump into our topic then all righty bizarre nostalgia strange trivia that's bona fide truth Impress me. All right, J-Dog, here we go. Did you know that James Cameron was slated to direct the very first Spider-Man feature film in the mid-90s? Damn, that's Titanic, dog. So during the end of the True Lies production, James Cameron was approached to write, direct, and produce a feature film for Spider-Man. Who does the Transformers movies? Is that? That's not That's him. Michael Bay. Okay, 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 yeah. okay. I-, I think they're like step- brothers they have like something to do with each other i don't know what they kind of do they definitely kind of do so from what i understand the original script focused on the origin story of spider-man making dr octavius the main villain and can you guess who kurt can can you guess uh, (laughs) kurt Kurt cameron Cameron? (laughs) shit can you guess uh who james cameron wanted to play dr ock uh in the what year was this this was mid 90s who did he work a lot with Doc Ock. Uh, Arnold, I guess. That's right. right. No, no kidding. Wow, that's right. He wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to play Dr. Octavius, which is crazy. I don't think that would have ever worked out. No, we kind of saw that happen when he played Mr. Freeze in Batman and Robin. That's very true. He would have, like, hammed it up. It would not have been good. Arnold is, like, if you watch Conan with Arnold, the Conan the Barbarian movie, Uh his his body is inhuman. (laughs) And it's not like... It's not like, you know, a big buff dude like you see in movies. It's like he doesn't look like he should really be alive. No. And he's a great personality. I love a lot of his movies. Not the best actor in the world. I'm really sorry to say that. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. He's got the body and he's got some of the humor. That's it. He's got a lot of charisma. But I guess that's why, you know, I've been waiting on when The Rock is going to slip and fall in mud. You know, because he's been having a hot streak for like fucking 20 years now. Which is great for him. But I'm ready to see him play some like or hamming up like Arnold did with these 90s movies. Yeah, that's what I want to see. So Arnold is Doc Ock, huh? Yeah. Yep. And then months later, a revised script was submitted, which took a darker turn and more of like an adult take on the story, making Sandman and Electro the villains. And uh, it got so dark that like these villains were created in like a weird Philadelphia experiment style where an atom bomb hits the beach or like blasted uh, on the beach where these two people were. And uh <laughs> What I like about this is that uh, you get to see Spider-Man and Mary Jane get it on on the Brooklyn Bridge. Damn. And so instead of like, you know, making out upside down, they straight up like get it on. Wow. Yeah. I don't know, man. Probably, probably we're all for the better that this didn't happen. (laughs) I don't know, man. Can you guess who uh, James Cameron wanted to play Peter Parker in Spider-Man? Mid-90s. Uh... 
total total crapshoot and say Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow, dude, are you sure you didn't look at my notes? No, for real. Am I right? Yes, you're oh, right, dude. dude. I, he I'm won just, Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm just doing entry level film knowledge. Okay, 90s uh, Terminator <laughs> Titanic. and Titanic. That's <laughs> straight up how I'm guessing. And, and the, ne- the rest of the characters might be able to guess because I don't know anything else about James Cameron. And, and apparently, like, you can read the script online and they have a an actual poster that was made for um, to kind of help pitch the idea and stuff. And it's pretty fascinating. I would definitely recommend go Googling that sometime when you can't sleep at night. Well, man, there's the... Uh the canon film version of, uh, you know, the Fantastic Four. Yes. And there's all these early... There was actually supposed to be a canon Spider-Man as well. There was, um, which is which actually kind of ties into this James Cameron story. So under some weird, like, legal contract bullshit, uh, James Cameron lost the writing and directing rights, therefore pretty much losing his chance to direct the feature film itself. And then the idea got passed along to all sorts of different... Um, companies and stuff like you know finally landing in sony and with uh, sam ramey thankfully but uh this is not the first time that james cameron was approached to direct a marvel movie so in 1984 he was approached to direct x-men with bob hoskins as wolverine wow, as wolverine holy Fuck shit yes, now that dude. actually now what what year is this this was 1984 so this 84. would have been huge damn I, it's it's hard to imagine, oh man, because that could go really hard in either direction. That could be that could be amazing, or it could be just. Shit. It would have like, whew, it would have blown everything out of the water for you. Wouldn't even see the Marvel universe now as it is if this Bob would happen in nineteen eighty four. I'm not slashing up a cartoon. <laughs> I'm not playing the Canadian. <laughs> my ex-girlfriend is a cartoon. That's my that's my my go-to Bob Hoskins. I like is, that. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Who framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you so can tell, I'm an intellectual. <laughs> but that's it, man. I highly recommend you going and Googling this, even just to see like the the poster, the teaser poster. It just looks inviting. It looks like it would have been amazing if it would have worked out. Damn, dude. Uh, it, it's it's really hard for me to imagine, but I do want to ask you, what year was that X-Men movie slated to be? 1984. Interesting. Okay. Because I want to talk to you about 1984. Like the book? The George Orwell book? No, the, the year. <laughs> the I thought we were intellectuals here. Come on. No, no, no. You're, yeah. you're on the wrong podcast, guys. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's the fart. The we fart talk, cast. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to the fart gas. Wait, what was it? <laughs> fart ever. Fart ever butt gas podcast. <laughs> okay, what's the best movie that came out in 1984? That is a good question. Uh, I would probably have to say Ghostbusters. Okay, well, you're wrong because uh, it's actually Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> what? How was that? Was a setup. No. That was a sting. That was that a was, setup. That was a sting. I don't even like this comedy bit. Well, <laughs> according to Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop, in his future premonitions, looking forward into his future, Beverly Hills Cop would be the best movie of 1984. Okay. All right. All and right. do you want to know how I know that? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Because originally, and I'm curious if you really know this or not, but- Eddie Murphy was slated to play Winston Zeddemore in Ghostbusters. I knew that, like, 
he, they were going to approach him, but I didn't know if they actually talked to him. I didn't know if he actually received the script and turned it down. Yeah, man, this, this was all the way down the line. And, and my theory, he never really commented on it. Well, the only thing he said when he did comment on it was, oh, no, I went off to make Beverly Hills Cop instead. So he, he turned it down to do that. Okay. La- last minute, and everything was kind of lined up. But my theory is, like, it probably seemed very risky at the time of a movie ghostbusters like reading the script he was probably like damn this thing might sink my career yeah you know i can see that not knowing i mean obviously we know the way the history books are written and it's a big hit it's one of the most famous movies ever everybody's seen it loved it blah 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 but it also is a little (laughs) bit deeper because when this was originally written ghostbusters that is the role of winston was he was really the main character really yeah so it was you know, the plan was for Eddie Murphy to come in and play Winston, the guy coming off the streets looking for a job. Mm. And he winds up being kind of the hero of the story, and it s- follows him, and it's he's like at the center of it. That's and, awesome. You know, he like Dan Dan Aykroyd. You know, he saw Dan Aykroyd actually saw the original lineup to be himself, Eddie Murphy, and John Belushi. Obviously, John okay. Belushi passed away. They couldn't do it. Apparently, uh, Slimer is supposed to be a, a tribute, a to, tribute him. to him in some way. So, so this is, I think, around the same time that Eddie Murphy was on SNL with, or at least he was a writer with Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah. So that would make they sense. Were, they were buddies. They were buddies. Yes, and, yes. Uh, so it was all it was all set to happen. But what wound up happening? This is this is kind of an interesting part of it too. Was when Eddie Murphy was like, "Look, man, I'm going to go do this other movie," and I don't really know the intricacies of that or how far it went. If there was any bad blood or anything, but it just that's the way it went. And then they brought in Ernie Hudson to to read for the role, and uh, Ernie Hudson read this script and he read the role, and he was like, "Dude, I am about to become a fucking star. <laughs> I am starring in this science fiction comedy movie with all these SNL people and it's gonna it's this big ass budget. Hell yeah. So he's like, damn, this rocks. And he got the part. And he's like, my fucking my life is about to change today. And uh by the time he went in to shoot, the script was rewritten. Mm. So Winston is like the lowest hanging fruit of the Ghostbusters tier. He's almost like an afterthought. He's not even on the poster. No, which is it's like so messed up. Kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And uh what's interesting, and I think a little bit more into why maybe this was turned down was like so, you know, you got Ivan Reitman, who's the creative force on paper behind Ghostbusters. But mm-hmm. really, this is a concept created by Dan Aykroyd, who I think is is brilliant. And and like, I agree. He's, he's, but he's also with brilliance comes a little madness he's a little bit of a maniac <laughs> which i love <laughs> which you got you know there's nobody who's funny who isn't a little bit out of their shit yes so basically the story how that goes is like dan Aykroyd and his brother because they his family is really into the supernatural and ghosts specifically they wrote this bible this huge fucking thing, which was the concept of Ghostbusters. Mm. And it was so in-depth and there was so much to it. And they were more like low-rent plumbers that would come to your house with a cigar hanging out of their mouth. And they were like, you know, these kind of things. That is amazing. What happens is he gets touch with the studio and Ivan Reitman and stuff. And this is what they pay people like Ivan Reitman for because he went in and said like, Danny, I love this thing you wrote. These 1,000 pages are amazing. 1,000 pages? <laughs> I particularly like these 10 pages. We're going to make yeah. a movie out of these. Thank you so much. <laughs> so 
there's usually someone there to um, filter Dan Aykroyd's madness. And mm-hmm. do you know what my third favorite movie is? Uh, dang, that's hard. You've talked a lot about your favorite movies. It's not Evil Dead Two. That's number one. Uh, it's it's Beethoven. Uh, very good guess, but no, it uh, it is nothing but trouble. Oh, and, another Dan Aykroyd. Right, and what's special about that movie is that it was you know following a couple really successful hits from Dan Aykroyd or or his creations. So the studio mm-hmm. said like. We are not going to put a net down below you. We're not going to filter you. You know, we're not going to give you the Ivan Reitman to pick out the 10 good right. pages. Make your movie. And, and that's probably why it, it flopped. It, and it, exactly. <laughs> it is fucking insane. If you've not yes. seen it, nothing but trouble. That movie is fucking bonkers. It's um, fun. So that's why I think probably uh, Eddie Murphy turned the role down. He probably saw that unedited unfiltered Dan Aykroyd creation was like, this thing is fucking insane. And it was like, I don't want to tank my career this early in the game. I just, just came off a of raw, man. That's a good comedy special. <laughs> yes. Leather suit and all. Sometimes falling asleep at night. I, I think about the alternate reality where Winston is the star of Ghostbusters and it is Eddie Murphy. Well, it's the same reality of James Cameron directing the first ever live action X-Men with Bob Hoskins as Wolverine. Yes. I kind of want to live Whoa. in that dimension, dude. Well, we got to get in touch with the Rick and Morty guys and have let go. us let him hop around into dimensions because I just want to visit for it. I don't want to be there too long. No, you know, just you, enough to enjoy it and then slowly back away. We would like come up with this technology or 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 stumble upon this technology to travel into dimensions and we'd go and be like, "Whoa, Bob Hoskins is Wolverine. Whoa, Ernie Hudson is Winston Zeddemore. Hey, dude, is that like a Nazi flag?" Oh shit! We gotta go we back. Gotta here. We, <laughs> we gotta, gotta go back. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. It's bad here. It's real bad it's here. So bad. We gotta get out. I mean, Wolverine looks great, but I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, we gotta go, man. Wait, wait, wait. Maybe, maybe we could stay. I do like the stocky Wolverine. No, 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 right. no, no. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Not worth it. <laughs> well, you know, there was a period of time in the '90s where stand-up comedians like ruled TV, and they all, for some reason, had a sitcom. You know what I'm talking about? Take me back. Take me back to that time. Ugh. Let me go down a little list that I created of like maybe some sitcoms you may have forgotten about or have never heard of. And uh, the first one on here is the Jamie Foxx show. Oh, was oh god. So <sighs> wait, wait, we're we're going through comedy comedian vehicles, right? Yes. We're talking okay, okay. The the great yes. comedy vehicles of the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Yes. So Jamie Foxx had his own show, huh? He had his own show and surprisingly it ran from 1996 to 2001 with 100 episodes. How come I've never heard of or seen any of this? Well, surprisingly or not surprisingly, the ratings were so low that it almost got canceled. But the then newer WB network needed time slots to fill. So they just kept feeding money into it. What what year is this, man? (laughs) This is between 1996 and 2001. I remember it being on, but I never stopped to actually watch it. You know, I like see it when I'm changing. Was I I in a coma for those years? Maybe. This is literally the, I think the first I've ever heard of this. (laughs) Wow. Uh, don't look it up. I don't. I don't recommend it. But so this would actually eventually launch Jamie Foxx's movie career, and uh, without it, we wouldn't have such hits as Booty Call mm. or Held Up mm. or Breaking the Rules. What would we do without those things? Uh, 
or his five stellar music albums. Now that you're going through all this stuff and I'm looking up pictures of the show, uh-huh. is is Jamie Foxx actually a hack? And like he just got lucky a few times? For real. Maybe. He, Maybe so. Look, the guy has is way more successful than I am, has way more money than I will ever be, but I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, you untalented fucking loser. I know. I don't know how he did it, honestly. Like, he's landed, he's made some really good movies. Like, I really like Django Unchained. There's actually one of his albums were pretty good, like in the mid '90s. That was like you know a very R&B kind of feel to it. I enjoyed that. I'm but looking at current dude, pictures of him, and he's got to stop it, playing with his hairline. Oh my god, let's not get into that. I think he's penciling it in now. Here's another wild one for you. Do you remember the Jeff Foxworthy show? I don't think I'm ready <laughs> to move on yet. <laughs> I've got about a dozen pictures of Jamie Foxx's hairline pulled just, up, but I don't think I'm ready to Just don't let on. your wife see it. Don't okay, let no, your that, wife walk uh, in. What is it, Jamie? What's the next one? A Jeff Foxworthy show. Jeff Foxworthy. This one does sound familiar, actually. Could you guess how long the show lasted? This has got to be... Oh, fuck. I know. I, I gave you a curveball with the Jamie Foxx lasting five years. Yeah, because this you can easily see not lasting long at all because he's a hack fraud. But uh-huh. um, you can also see like Southern America like, ah, I fucking love that show. Yes. Yeah. So what's which one is it? Well, uh, it lasted two seasons. Okay. And changing majority of the cast for the second season. If you've got canceled after your first season. <laughs> You might be you a might be fraud. washed out. Uh, so, <laughs> based on his "you might be a redneck" jokes, comes the Jeff Foxworthy show, highlighting the daily struggles of a lower class HVAC worker. Originally aired on ABC, but the ratings were so low they canceled it. However, NBC saw their opportunity and uh, obtained the contract and renewed it for a second season. Dude. To eventually later get canceled once again because of poor ratings. That is literally <laughs> the definition of a low-hanging fruit. Yes. Like, literally, NBC is walking by. I was just like, I don't need that apple, but it's so close. I might as well just, like, think so easy. I'll so, try it. I'll no try effort. It. And then took a bite, and it's just like, there's just worms and farts yes. inside of it. <laughs> oh, oh my God. There's a Larry the Cable Guy TV dinner inside what this apple. It? Get her done. Get her done. <laughs> no, grow. no. Man, and, and yeah, they used to have get her done grub back in the Dollar Tree a couple years oh, ago. Oh, I know. Never want to try it. I never want to see it again. Uh, but if you are interested in the Jeff Foxworthy show, it's uh, for it's on for free on uh, Crackle TV. So let's talk about Ellen. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm okay, kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's let's skip over Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about uh, Jeff Foxworthy's friend Bill Ingvall with his Bill Ingvall show. Dan- okay, which one was he? He was one that was uh here's your sign. Here's your sign. <laughs> here's your sign. That one doesn't even make sense. Like that's not even it funny. Okay. It's well, not funny at let's all. Let's go through them really quickly. Okay. There is Cable Guy. Yep, get her done. He's he is he's the fully gimmicked out one. He's doing it right. He is. He's got the plaid with the sleeves cut off. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing a nice voice out of the damn time. I don't know if he actually talks like he that. He doesn't even talk like that. Oh, like, he, it, not at all. He's it's, like, it's he's like from Maine or something, I would bet. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. And then all you right. have Bill Ingvall, which is like the straight cut looking guy. And uh, he talks primarily about like parenting and like stupid is a stupid does. Here's your sign. He, his stand up comedy uh, screams erectile dysfunction. Yes. I don't ED know. ED from yeah. way, way high. 
not not in a good way or a bad way, just a neutral way, like a nope. you know. Okay, and then there's but then there's the last guy who Ron White. Yes, yes, Ron White, the drunk guy who wasn't even going to be a part of the blue collar stand up, but they needed one more person for it. And uh, he agreed to it, which made sense because he was pretty well washed out or yeah, washed up was, he, at he, that point. Was a good choice for him. He was fucking toast. Yes, he's he's a classic leather jacket comedian. Yeah, my favorite kind of bad '90s comedian who goes Me up with too. the leather jacket and the too much hair gel. Yep, and then he's got the cigar and yeah, uh, uh, you know, some scotch or something in, in his drink. But anyway, the Billingvall show. Uh, somehow lasted three seasons with uh, thirty episodes. God. It was based on his stand-up about parenting. Wait, can I it's, can I can I please guess the the network? Yes, go for it. Country Music Channel, CMT. CMT. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there was reruns. Okay, they CMT. got it. Yeah, they got it. Would it not surprise me. All right. All right. Like if if you were to go back and watch it, uh, you'll notice it's just like a prototype uh, Last Man Standing. It's just, uh, they're all just like trash family shows, I think. They right? really are. And I don't mean trash like the people are trash. I mean, like, they're, they're low quality. The whole quality. concept. Yeah. Everything about yeah, it is absolutely. trash. But let's talk about the cream of the crop real quick. And that is the Sinbad Show from 1993. Whoa. Now that guy had style. Now, can you guess how long the Sinbad Show lasted? Uh, okay, I'm going to ask a question. Okay. That I think will let, help me with my answer. Which network did it appear on? Fox Network. Oh, that's no, uh, yeah, one, one, to two, one to two seasons max. You are actually spot on. One wow. season, twenty four episodes, but it was canceled with two episodes left to air. That's that's so, <laughs> that tells you anything. If you would have told me that that was on, on WB or BEC or something, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that seems like five the market seasons. demographic or something. Yeah, five <laughs> seasons. But yeah. the uh, what you gonna do with five seasons, bro? seriously so if you remember sinbad plays a character named david bryan not even going by his real name mm. he's by the name david bryan okay. apparently david is a lonely bachelor that adopts two orphans uh dare i go on <laughs> actually i yeah the the question i want to ask i shouldn't ask uh okay let me just ask the question oh, please are they white children? Oh, I see where you're going with this. And I almost said it. Uh, no, they're, they're black children. I think the show would have been way funnier if he adopted white children. And he, he could have said something like, man, these dumbass crackers with their Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a genie as well for some yeah. really odd reason. God damn, now I got to be a goddamn genie. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave apparently helps his newly adopted children through the hardships of life. Like how the tooth fairy is real, but really fake. Um, completing homework will lead to a trip to Disneyland. Uh, how to become a teacher's pet to get laid. Hell you yeah. know, the, the yeah. important stuff in yeah. life, right? Wait, to, to, to do the teacher? <laughs> so Sinbad, or sorry, Dave, David, uh, becomes like a teacher's pet. Like it was the kid's teacher that he like really kind of sweetened up to because he wanted to get laid oh yeah, i thought yeah, you yeah, meant yeah, he yeah, was yeah. teaching the kid like you gotta suck up to that teacher <laughs> man because then you let it suck on your titties right. that's what you gotta do man <laughs> that would have been a lot more interesting that probably one of the last two episodes that never aired here's my version of this show okay let's okay get it. sinbad is uh plays him uh or he plays bill comedian that's his name okay. bill. my name <laughs> bill is bill comedian Com- here's the intro hey i'm bill comedian i used to be a comedian 
But now I, I did all my comedian career. I didn't have time for a family, so I'm gonna adopt. Oh my god! <laughs> so he puts in for some children, and he, on accident, these two little white children show up. You get damn, I didn't try to adopt no damn spooky ass white children. <laughs> They're like redheads. Yeah, and they're scary. They're like children of the corn. I know children of the corn motherfuckers in my house with Yu-Gi-Oh cards. That is my version of the of the. I show. would watch that. Yeah. So in the same dimension as uh, Eddie Murphy playing whoever and Bob Hoskins playing whoever, you have Bill the Comedian, yeah, which is the Sinbad yeah. show. <laughs> yes. Bill, Bill Comedian. <laughs> my name's Bill Comedian, and that's a perfect last name for me because I happen to grow up to be a comedian. Oh, you my know? God. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to go to that dimension. Fuck. I got to write this down. Oh, no, we're recording it. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking it's killing me, dude. I don't know why. That's like the dumbest thing I ever thought of. (laughs) Oh, it's fucking stupid. (laughs) Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. So uh, I want I want to get back. <laughs> I want to okay. get back to Spider Man. Okay. Because yeah. you were talking about Spider Man the beginning. Were you a big Spider Man fan when you were a kid? Oh, absolutely! I ate it up. I love the animated series. I love the comics. I loved everything. Where'd you start with the comics or the uh, the cartoon? Uh, it was a cartoon. Yeah, I think I, I really got into it with the cartoon, but. My dad was into comics a bit, so I had his comics from when he was a kid. So I always, you know, Spider-Man was just always in my life, and I really took to it uh, one summer when I discovered, like, the reissues of the old ones from the 60s and stuff. Oh, yes, yeah, But uh, anyway, huge thing from our youth, man. It was really big for me. I don't know how big it was for you. It was the uh, Sam Raimi adaptations. Oh, yeah, huge. Tobey Maguire, like, just blew my mind as Peter Parker, dude. Man, I still, like... It's, it's the most boomery thing about me is like, I'm like, nope, Toby was the best. Nope. Because <laughs> yes. after Toby, there was Andrew Garfield, skinny guy, which, which he was great. I thought he was good. And now there's the little boy. Yeah. Tom Harnold. Harnold? Yeah. Little boy, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But, Bill um, the Comedian. Bill the Comedian. Damn, that's still good. <laughs> I got to remember that forever. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I derailed the show. <laughs> I love this segment. It's, it's going to be re- included in the intro. Is uh, my name's Bill Comedian, and that's perfect because I grew up to be a comedian. <laughs> okay. Isn't okay. that Simbad? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no, it's different. <laughs> I don't want my name associated with this shit. That's why children. Okay. Sam Raimi. I actually stand by the Sam Raimi uh, films. I don't know about you. I, I think that like I like what they did with the the new ones and uh, those middle ones with the Andrew Garfield. He looked like a good Spider Man. He had a really skinny neck and like he had those great features that the body has and like the Todd yes. McFarlane comics and stuff. But uh-huh. yeah, the Sam Raimi ones are, are a peak for me, man. And uh, I was kind of sad to see them go. And they went obviously as we know. One is pretty is pretty good. Um, there's some wonky effect stuff when you go back and rewatch it, but it's it's good. Still holds up. Yeah, two is genuinely great. If you go back and watch two, it's like kind of a perfect movie. Yes. And then three, what wound up happening is like halfway through, as the story goes, the studio like they literally halfway through filming, the studio was like, "All right, Sam, uh, this is your last one. So <gasps> do what you need to do here." And then he's like, really? "He's like, fuck." 
and they, you know, oh, I wanted to do these characters. So there's a lot of characters. It's overwhelming. There's too many characters. Yes. And Sandman. Yeah, yeah. Venom. He's like, he's like, he always wanted to do Sandman. He always wanted to do Venom. There's like, oh, it's like way too much shit going on. Uh, Green Goblin, you know, when, yeah. when uh, or no, Hobgoblin, or whatever one is the son. Was, yeah, Hobgoblin. Yeah. Yep. Um, James, just too much. James Franco. Too yeah, there's too much villains. stuff. So unfortunately, like the trilogy kind of flailed and fell on his face on the way out. I wish they would have told him that so we would have had a nice, well-rounded trilogy. But um, he was already planning a part four. And uh, do you know much about this one? I don't. I mean, I, I kind of knew that he was he was thinking about making more than just three, but I didn't really know there was a fourth one already developed. Yeah, so, and it wasn't really fully developed. It was very, like, the script was barely written, and there was some concept art. Oh, okay. Little, like, some highlights of the script. But the thing that stands out about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 4 is it would have featured Bruce Campbell as Mysterio. <gasps> Dude! Yeah! That would be a perfect role for him. There's also, um, there's some studio concept art that leaked of this so you could see some drawings of uh bruce campbell as mysterio and what they did with the character is they made him like a washed up overweight dude so he has like a tummy <laughs> through his mysterio yes, suit. suit so yeah dude yes uh for those of you who don't know i i presume if you listen to the show you know who bruce campbell is uh he is Star of Evil Dead, Army of Darkness. He was also uh, in all three Spider-Mans. Like, he was, yes. like, uh, the Usher and the second right. one. That Ushered actually the brings me up to another point related to that, which is there is a fan theory uh, that was not confirmed or denied by Sam Raimi, but there's a fan theory that all three characters, he has cameos yes. in all three Spider-Man movies, Bruce Campbell. And, you know, in the first one, he plays the wrestling ring announcer. Yep. You know, when Spider-Man fights... Uh, macho Macho uh, Man, yep, yep, yep. so good. Uh, and then in part two, he was a snooty doorman who wouldn't let uh, Pete through to. Yeah, get it was the, the usher. usher pretty much for the theater. And then yep. in three, he was like the maitre d at the French restaurant that was going to help plant the ring and stuff like yes. that. Yes, there's mm-hmm. a fan theory that all three of those characters are actually Quentin Beck, aka Mysterio, Mysterio dude, in disguise because he Mysterio in the in the comics and in the cartoon. I don't know in the cartoons they took him a little more seriously, but in a lot of the comics, yeah. he's a really hokey, like over the top magician character. So mm-hmm. he would do this kind of thing where he's pretending to be other people so he could stalk Peter Parker around and learn about him and stuff like that. But um. Yeah, there's this there's this great art of uh you could look it up of Bruce Campbell um as Mysterio in Sam Raimi's Part Four and it's great. It, it was actually going to be like he wasn't going to be the main villain of the film. He was going to basically be the opening segment, which is which is oh, a great okay. way to start a movie. Start yes. with an action beat. That's why I liked about uh, Batman Forever. Like it was just like right yeah. into it. Yeah. More recently, I say uh, the Deadpool movie fucking nailed that, yes. which was like you know you're one minute into the movie and somebody's like shot straight in the head. action. Yeah, it's like great, perfect, perfect. And then yes. work backwards. You get it. You have just a few minutes to catch my attention before I call your movie stupid. So <laughs> spend 30 seconds to shoot somebody in the head. Any movie, no matter what your movie's about, shoot somebody in the head in the first 30 seconds and you've got me. <laughs> I'll have to remember that. That's forever bogus film school. That will be 350 uh, bitcoins, please. Uh, that's probably right. like mi- billions of dollars. I don't know how much those things go for anymore. But yeah, man, I mean, it's fun to think about 
the circumstances that could have had Bruce Campbell as Mysterio. But here's kind of an interesting follow-up. While he never got to play Mysterio, and even in Q&As at San Diego uh, Comic-Con in 2019, he was asked about this question, and he responded mm. like, I've heard about it, but uh, I never saw a script, and we never really oh, talked so about it. So he was it. never really approached to do it. It was just no, like a No, no, it, it was all in the air. But like, they're, they're best buds. I mean, Sam Raimi... And him made their first movie together. Yeah. I mean, he, Sam Raimi found a way to put Bruce Campbell in all three oh, yeah, huge yeah. Spider-Man movies. Like, yep, of course, he's the friends. star of your evil dead, your evil dead Two, <laughs> yes. your army of darkness. They've been working together mm-hmm. for so long. I'm actually surprised he's not in drag me to hell. Yeah. Maybe he's in the background somewhere, but, uh, I'm sure he is. What's interesting is that there was a comic, uh, that came out in 2020. It was a Spider-Man comic. And in that comic, they were filming a Spider-Man movie. And they had Bruce Campbell playing Mysterio. No way. So it's sort of like an Inception thing that, that's happening Dude. there. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if they just were just a fan of that whole conspiracy or that concept that yeah. – I love that dude. That that is fantastic. That's exactly what it is because it was like a full like twenty years later. Yeah. And so it when when it came to draw the panels to have the Spider Man movie being filmed in the comic book. They, 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 they made Bruce the, uh, they, not only did they make him look like Bruce Campbell, they actually called him Bruce. They said, all right, nice take, Bruce. That is so yeah, cool. it's great. Well, here's a random one for you. Did you know that Three Ninjas Knuckle Up is rated PG-13? What would you assume that it is rated? <laughs> I thought it would be rated like PG, like all the other three of them, or four of them, actually. There are four of them. The, what's the one with Hulk Hogan? That's like High Noon High or something Noon like and that. Mega Ma- Mountain. Mountain. Yes, the that's bad it, guy's yep. Jim Varney. Oh no, he was. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Jim Varney gets kicked off at the top of a roller coaster and murdered by a child in that movie. <laughs> yes. Or like maybe he falls on like a particularly squishy hot dog cart or something like that. But still, still, he gets murdered by a child in that. Yeah. But this movie was rated PG thirteen. I think it was mostly due to the violence. And there was, if you go back and rewatch it, there was a lot of weird sexual undertones mm. and like sexual tension, even between like adults and children. It was really, really weird. Yeah. I mean, what concept, what's the difference between PG and PG 13? Like, there's a lot of grabbing at bra straps, or what are they doing? <laughs> uh, I, th- it, I think it depends on like the violence and like the language. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, dude, I, that blew my my mind. But there was also another weird trivia about Three Ninjas that I wanted to share with you, and that is uh, Three Ninjas was the last film to be directed by the South Korean filmmaker Sangok Shin. Okay, and apparently in 1978, Shin and his wife was kidnapped by the North Korean government and forced to make propaganda movies for eight years Whoa. of their lives, which is insane. So the couple managed to escape during the film festival in 1986, where they were granted political asylum by the American embassy. And, uh, you know, they went on to make bad martial arts movies for kids. Could you fucking imagine that you were a prisoner to your government? Yeah. For years, and then you escape, and what you do with your life is you make Three Ninjas Four. Exactly. Was it four? Was it part four you're talking about? Uh, this is part two or three. So oh. I, I, get, I get kind of lost in this. So Three Ninjas is the first one, of course. They shouldn't put the word three in it because now I'm just thinking Three Ninjas Three. I know. That's what throws oh, me off, damn. too. There's four of them. So Three Ninjas, Three Ninjas Strike Back, Three Ninjas Knuckle Up, and Three Ninjas High Noon on whatever mountain. High Noon on Mega Mountain. Get it straight. Mega Mountain. That's if you're going to teach you. Nickelodeon to these kids at your school, 
They've got to know Heine didn't make <laughs> they an gotta album. They've got to know. they got to know. Yeah. But I just thought that was strange that they were literally kidnapped um, and like forced to do what they once enjoyed doing to make really bad propaganda films for North Korea. That's fucked up. I wonder where their films were like before they got kidnapped. I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe we should have a marathon of them. It sounds depressing. <laughs> it really does. You can see – you can really see – you know, the impact of government oppression when you start making Three Ninjas 4. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I don't want to make movies with these children. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about music. Do you like music? Uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> this, this next fact, I think, is probably a lot of people know it already. Okay. But we were just – I know the things that you like. I know the TV shows you like. I know the ones that particularly I like to hear you talk about. Okay. So this kind of involves a star of one of the shows that I like – that are of the brand that I like to hear you talk about. Cool. All right. That being said, you guys might hear this – have heard this already. This is kind of like everyone's favorite story to tell at a party or at a bar. But uh, what would, let's, let's, let's start back a little bit. Okay. What's your favorite song of 1995? 1995 it was probably a, a TLC song. Wrong. Um, <laughs> the, your favorite song of 1995 was "You Ought to Know" by Alanis Morissette. Okay, okay. Do you know the story about this song? I don't know the story about oh, this song. Oh, that's great. Okay, because okay. I genuinely was like, I think everybody knows this, so I didn't want to tell it. But did you know? That Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know. Can you think of the song off your head? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I'm here to remind you of the words you Yes. Yes, yeah, You got it. And fucking delete that. We just did. I nailed it, though. That was embarrassing. Shut up. Okay. Alanis Morissette's You Ought to Know is, do you know, I'll tell you, you know who this song is written about. Serial killer. No. I don't know. I really don't know. It was written about Uncle Joey, a.k.a. Dave oh, Coulier. I did not know this. So did they have a thing for each other then? Oh, they dated back in 1992. Oh, just for a year? That was it? Yes. For like a, sh- uh, yeah, a couple, mo- a couple okay. months window there. And it was a, there's a lot of pictures of them on red carpets together, holding hands and, and the whole nine. And uh, it's just – I guess it's really hard for me to imagine – anybody being really emotional about uncle joey in any way or the other you know i could be dude i love him i think his stand-up is good his shows on nickelodeon were great do you think that he is the better of the two brothers in in the full house i always liked him more mostly because of his impressions like he always made me laugh i mean a musician is awesome but a comedian is cooler to me okay Fair enough. I'll, I'll accept that. Did you ever get the sense, like as somebody who, who watched a lot of TGIF and, and I, oh, I, I would come to you. If I had a question about, you know, Full House, I'd ask you, you know, because I feel like you would know it. But the did, was there ever implication in the show that Uncle Joey was like a failure of a comedian? Yes. Okay. Okay, cool. I was just wondering if I was just picking up on that and projecting something. There, but. I think there was even one episode where like he pretty much said like – I. I'm quitting stand-up. Yeah. I'm not good. I'm not successful. I suck at this. So. I remember there was one episode that was like so fucking sad. He – I think he did a set with like his beaver puppet and there was like yes. no one there. And I was like, dude, this is like <laughs> – This is sad. This, he's going to choke a woman in, in this show <laughs> if like a new writer steps on. So why are you bringing this up? I, I'm trying to figure out how you're tying this back. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I got a little sidetracked. But yeah, Alanis <laughs> Morissette's You Ought to Know 
was written about Dave Coulier. Dave Coulier, Uncle, okay. Uncle Joey. And this was released in 1995, and it was on the Jagged Little Pill album. It won a Grammy for Best Song of the Year. It won a Grammy for Best Female Rock Vocal Performance. Wow. Uh, later saw it sung by Kevin Malone on The Office in the Christmas karaoke episode. Are you okay. reading the Wikipedia page right now? I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, there are some lyrics in this song, if you you know, maybe haven't heard in a while, that are about going down on him in a movie theater. How interesting. Let's hear it. Another version of me. Is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theater? Wow. You know what's gross about that? Yeah. You just heard somebody talk about going down on Uncle Joey, the guy who has a beaver <laughs> puppet and is a He's loser. like talking in his Popeye voice. Wow, blow me down. You, would, you wouldn't be really surprised if the song was about Uncle Jesse because you could see someone getting emotional and angry about it's just hard to imagine anybody getting emotional about this man (laughs) (laughs) it's so mean (laughs) when the song was really big a lot of people were asking Alanis who this was about and there was also rumors floating around that it was about dave and they were kind of um coy about it and then neither of them would really confirm it like Alanis would say things like well you know maybe it's about a bunch of people that i've dated you know maybe it's (laughs) maybe it's an amalgamation and Uncle Joey, who's Dave Coulier, uh, he even went as far as in one interview saying like, oh, I hope it's not about me. The guy in that song sounds like a pretty big asshole. <laughs> so they kind of played coy about it for a really long time. But in 2013, uh, in an interview, Dave Coulier finally said that uh, he is 100% sure it's about him. Alanis has still not confirmed that. But oh, really? I will tell you this. If you read the lyrics, he leaves her for like an older woman. And also, you know, there's that little stuff about uh, getting blown in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah. How many people <laughs> has she dated that left her for an older woman that she blew in a movie? Is she blowing all of her boyfriends in the movie theater in the 90s? Like, <laughs> But only he would know that. Only you know? he would know that. But then maybe in his head, he's like, damn, like how many dudes she's blowing in the movie theater? That's so true. Damn. (laughs) Am I number 15? Damn. But uh, no, Alanis Rocks. I love her. I love that song too. Yeah, so, but it's, but it, I mean, it does change the the taste of the song in your mouth when you know that it's about um, Uncle Joey, the lesser of the two uncles, despite what you say. That's so true. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure we're going to get a lot of emails of people saying, I'm still in love Mm -hmm, with Joey. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But since we're on the topic of music, let's talk about 9 11. Never forget. Oh. We're coming up, <laughs> We're on, coming the 20, up on 20 years. 20 years man. Damn. Yeah. That's right. We are. Yeah, we are. So there was 165 songs that were blacklisted from the radio after the attack of 9-11. Yeah, I, I could imagine. And uh, how, how immediate was this? Was this quick? This was very quick. Okay. So following the September 11th attacks in 2001, Clear Channel Communications, now iHeartMedia, circulated an internal memo containing a list of songs that program directors felt were like lyrically questionable mm-hmm. to play in the aftermath of the uh, attack. So notably songs that were contained the titles or lyrics that were vaguely referred to open subjects intertwined with the nine 11 attacks, like airplanes, collisions, death, war, violence, as well as the sky falling weapons, or even like celebratory songs. Yeah where they thought it was like, you know, too happy. So think like Louis Armstrong's What a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Was actually pretty much blacklisted from being played on the radio because they thought it was 
too inappropriate. We're supposed to be sad right now. You we're supposed be to be sad about right how now. pretty the world is. Damn. So like, there's no chance Cannibal Corpse was getting on the radio for a while. Unfortunately, not. Yeah. So I thought it'd be fun to go down like a list of songs that were blacklisted and uh, that I've just found interesting or strange. Hell yeah, dude. So Animal Ant Farms, Smooth Criminal, which is the the Michael Jackson cover was blacklisted, man. Uh, which is unfortunate because it came out like that year. It's also unfortunate because it's a bopper. It is a bopper. Uh, <laughs> the Bengals Walk Like an Egyptian was blacklisted. Is that a Middle East thing? I don't know. Like Egypt is in Africa. That's that's one of those I don't fully understand. Same thing with Beastie Boys Sabotage. I figured like Sabotage would be like the energizing song. Like, I'm going to get my gun. I'm going to go to Afghanistan myself. Yeah. Sabotage. Yeah. yeah, you know. Send me over there. I'll solve this thing in 15 minutes, brother. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Give me a case of monsters. We'll yeah. be good to go. Uh, Pat Benatar's Hit Me With Your Best Shot, which kind of makes right. sense. Uh, this is def. All of this is like over the line, but oh, I agree. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. So like the chicklets. Have you seen her? Was blacklisted. Oh god. All right. Well, you know what? When you say blacklisted, do you mean banned, or are you saying like they just kind of strayed away from it? They're supposed to stray away from it. It was more of like um, suggested. Or recommended. So basically, it wasn't like a go- it wasn't like a government mandate. What you're saying, what you're saying is that it pretty much was a mandate. Oh. Like, do you, do you remember how big 9/11 was and like how it yeah. transformed this entire nation Absolutely. even to like to this day? So it would not surprise me if radio stations received this memo, they comply. I'm I'm guessing that it was something like because Donnie Darko came out uh, like a week after 9/11. Yes, and so it it, it bombed in the first place because. No one was going to the movie theater, but then it bombed even harder when the opening scene had a, a plane crashing through yeah. a house. So yeah. Nobody- I mean, it's kind of about a plane crashing into a house exactly. and killing people. Exactly. So, um, so I, I'd imagine that they complied and did not play any of these yeah. songs. Well, because nobody went there. So, I mean, if you're on – if you're driving in your car – and you'll see on the radio and you hear a song that reminds you of that, you're probably going to change the channel at the time. So like, they were like probably- Like Drowning Pool's Bodies. Like if you oh. heard that on the radio while you're driving home- Yes. After, after waiting in line for an hour and a half to get gas, like you would probably change the channel. That's the one I can re- I understand the most so far. Like <laughs> really? if it was like September 12th and you heard Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, you'd be like- this is very Damn. this is very weak. Damn. Uh, so a Food Fighter song got uh, blacklisted as well. Can you guess which one it was? Uh, there, there goes my hero. Learn to fly. Oh, uh, learn to fly. I don't really know much about them, man. I, uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Limb Biscuits break stuff, of course, was uh, blacklisted. That's what do you get? Break stuff. Break a whole building. Yeah, break I mean, a I whole mean, building from top to I'm bottom. I'm triggered. I'm yeah. triggered. <laughs> uh, but just uh, yeah, Elton John's uh, Benny and the Jets. Okay. Uh, here's another one for you. Uh, Tom Petty got one of his songs blacklisted. Can you guess which one? Uh. Free Fallen. Yep, 100%. Yeah. Same thing with POD. Can you guess which one? We are we. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's the show, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the season premiere episode. You guys have been great. Happy 9-11. Little Susie, uh, she was only 12. She was skating the yes. wall. She was giving a hell. Here comes the boom. Boom, you know. not. 
No, what it? Oh, boom! Here comes it. Duh. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's okay. Uh, REMs, it's the end of the world as we know it. Sugar Ray Fly, and the one that doesn't make any sense to me at all, Disco Inferno by the Tramps. Oh, like a fire. I guess, but like still, like that kind of gets you pumped, dude. Burn, baby, burn. It, well, okay. Now that you've said it yeah. out loud. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. So I think that the radio, in, in respect of the 20-year anniversary of 9-11, should blacklist at least these songs for a day. Yeah, dude. When I was uh, in fifth grade, I used to call into a WWF hotline and, and uh, on the radio. And it wasn't even affiliated with WWF. It wasn't like they put it together. It was just some fucking nerds. Who, <laughs> in, this, like, in their parents' basement. I, I don't know how they got on the radio, but I would call in. And do you remember that gimmick where, like – there was a cult and this guy in a hood who like kept picking on Austin and it was like, you Oh that? yes. Yes. And I remember that. They were talking about who it was, all these fucking, you know, 30 year old nerds in the nineties. And they were trying to guess who it was and they didn't get it. And I called in and I said, I bet you it's going to be Vince McMahon. And they were like, all right. And they hung up. You were right. Nailed it. <laughs> so, Are you smarter than a fifth grader? So are you saying that you predicted 9-11? Oh, there it is. <laughs> there it it's is. It's the one that went over the line. Yep. Sorry. We're 58 minutes in and we have to stop well, now. We're good. We're going to get censored now. I'm going to give you an award for the one that did it. Um, I've got a really short one here that I can't really uh, expand upon too much at all okay. beyond the fact itself. Um. So let's just get into it. I think what are some towns uh, that come into your mind when you think of places uh, of from uh, where p- famous people wind up coming from? Uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh, L.A. Um, um, what's number? Florida. Th- okay. Well, it depends on what your <laughs> definition of famous is, but you know, you could those crazy Florida man newspapers. Hey, dude, Brad Pitt is from Columbia, Missouri. Well, I think he went to school there, but anyway, you got a lot of Missouri pride, my man. I do. Well, I uh, there's a lot of people around here that have a lot of New York pride, and mm. uh, when I there's a lot of good bands and a lot of good artists. Very true, and Ramones, and uh, I bet you, I bet you, James Franco pretends he's from New York. I'm sure. Uh, you know. Maybe he's maybe he's actually from Brookfield, Missouri. That dude's from Florida, and he's like, yeah, that I, I lived in New York. Yeah, yeah, Shut yeah, up, yeah, 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 yeah. James Franco. <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> Stupid piece of shit. Where, where are you going with this, J-Talk? <laughs> so there's a, lot of, there's a lot to love about New York. Uh, and there's a lot of boroughs. And they all have their individual things that you could love about them. When I think of the Ramones, I think about Queens. Great borough mm. right there. But now I think let's think let's zoom in a little bit closer. Okay, we're we're on Google Maps. We're zooming into New York. Pension. We're zooming into New York City. Yep. Yep. We're zooming into Queens. Oh wait, what is this? This is Benjamin N. Cardozo High School in Queens. Never heard of it. Well, there were two people that went there together and graduated together. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to start giving you hints and then you guess when you get it. Okay. Oh goodness, all right. Contestant 1 has pl- mostly plays cops. He okay. played a cop in Die Hard, he played a cop in Die Hard 2. I don't know his real name, but it's uh Winslow. Yep, he played it right. Carl Winslow. Carl Winslow from Family Matters. <laughs> real name Reginald Vell Johnson, born 1952. Graduated from high school in Benjamin M. Cardozo High School in Queens, New York. And who's the other dude? Um, 
He's got a long penis. Ooh, uh, Ron Jeremy. Ron Jeremy. Wait, what? Yeah, dude. <laughs> Reginald Carl Winslow graduated high school with. I don't know. I can't confirm that they were friends, but I tell you, there's no virgins in that high school. No, that's for sure. I want to see a surreal life, you know, that like reality TV yeah. show from VH1 with Carl Winslow and Ron Jeremy in the same house. Party. Their high school reunion must have been bonkers. Oh my God. I want to go witness that. I just want to be a yeah. fly on the wall, dude. This guy always plays a cop. This guy sometimes <laughs> plays a cop, but right. di- there's different things that happen in this guy's movie, <laughs> you know? Legendary high school, man. Uh, how strange. And it, so that high school still exists? As far as I could tell, it still seems to be running. What do schools do? Do they run? Sure. We'll say they do run. Do they operate? Yeah. So that's, that's yeah, man, uh, Carl Winslow, man. He, he's the best cop. Hey. He is the best cop. It's me, Carl Winslow. He's still my favorite. And then he was always a cop. Was there ever an episode where he was pushed over the limit of the law where he said, I'm putting the badge down. <laughs> In Robocop. Yeah, yeah. And I wish. I wish. That'd be amazing. No, that's it, man. I, there's not there's not a whole lot to say okay. about that one. I just like when you when you find out that two uh short, heavy guys graduated high school together, you gotta <laughs> right. talk about it. You know that Carl Winslow was packing it and I yeah. ain't talking about his gun. I have a gun and I also have another one. <laughs> made out of flesh. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. <laughs> that's the show. Yay. I think it's a great welcome back. Welcome I back. hope everyone's still listening. Welcome back. <laughs> welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, if you didn't, if you didn't, uh, if you didn't quit by now, thank you for tuning in. Thank you. I think we have a great season lined up for everybody. We've got some really cool ideas. Uh, we do want to give a big shout out to our buddy Ty. Oh, damn! From uh, Townie Wilbur Art. Uh, for the new show yeah. graphic, dude. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I think we should have done this off the top. So, sorry, t- uh, Townie, man. That's I uh, really appreciate what you've done. That's really cool. Townie, yes. Townie is a – Townie Wilbur, right? Yep, that's right. He's a good artist on Instagram. He's a great artist on Instagram. And I think that you should check him out because he – one of his best things, one of his best qualities is, is his consistency. Yes. He draws a lot and he puts a lot of stuff out there. So give him a follow. Thank you so much for the uh, for the artwork for our, our podcast. Thank you, Ty. Yeah, give him a follow. He's got some great comic books too. Check out his comics. Definitely DM him about those comic books. I think that's it's worth every amount. Yeah. Uh, so if you know this – we have a different format of how we release our shows. We're going to have two big episodes released every month. And we may like make an exception for the holiday months, like right. uh, the forever boogus Halloween season. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's coming up, man. And yep, yep. maybe we'll sacrifice somebody live <laughs> on the podcast. It doesn't get scarier than that. Maybe we'll get Bill, the comedian, to yeah. come on, do one last, like, <laughs> one last stand-up, Man. and we'll just, like, murder him, maybe. I don't know. I adopted these damn white kids, and they're scary as hell, <laughs> and they got podcasts and everything. I, said, I didn't even get paid for Man, this. You should... You guys should be going out having friends and hanging out at the rec center. And they're up here doing <laughs> podcasts about Nickelodeon. These creepy-ass white kids. What's a podcast? I love it. It's 1995. What's a podcast? What's a podcast? 
Uh, man, we need to have a spinoff now yep. of the Forever Bogus Podcast. Write the check. Uh, <laughs> write the check. Patreon.com, people. There we go. Uh, so we've been asked by a lot of people to put the cast on more platforms because apparently we're not like on Podbean and stuff like that. So I'm working on that. Don't worry about it. I'm actually going to put it on YouTube as well because apparently some people like to listen to podcasts on YouTube. So I can see that. We'll have that available for you. But uh, I'm excited, Jamie. We're back. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And next time I'm going full force. Ooh, I like that. That's a reference that one person will get. I, I did not get it. So it just went right over my bald head. Yeah, it's an old wrestling promo. From Dang, the I wish I would have known yep, that. Absolutely. Spin the wheel. Make a deal. Spin the wheel. So if you haven't done it yet, please leave us a review on like Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to our podcast, and definitely subscribe to us because uh, we have more surprises for you. That's it. How should we end the show? I know how we'll end the show. Okay. Give me a second. Hey, I'm Bill Comedian. I used to be a comedian. But now, I, I did, all my comedian career, I didn't have time for a family. So I'm going to adopt. Two little white children show up. Because, damn, I didn't try to adopt no damn spooky-ass white children. I adopted these damn white kids and they're scary as hell. And they got podcasts and everything. Man, you, should, you guys should be going out having friends and hanging out at the rec center. And they're up here doing podcasts about Nickelodeon. These creepy ass white kids. What's a podcast? <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, guys. I'm uh, JB, and this is Bryce, and we have been the Forever Bogues Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. Until next time, always remember to be kind. <laughs> Rewind. And we'll all stay bogus. bogus. Y'all should know this. Forever bogus. Y'all should know this. We got the host, Rash Shoemaker, Nothing like Babe Ruth, Candy Bars, Any Takers, and Arsenal of VHS tapes. I'm feeling really great, I'm hoping y'all great. Flea markets, yes, one for a nickel. Complain about Rwanda sounding like Angelica Pickles. Watching P&P, maybe Malcolm in the middle. Sail on Gary the Snail, Mr. McNeely, I hope one of these days you will bring me my mail. E-Count, Shakula, you Hoover, Oda Pale Ales. You want dope than diamonds, I got my bling with sales. Thinking I'ma get riders, but we're still a prevail. I got dope rhymes for the VHS community. Got some lunch meat for you Nimrods. Rat King Steve Jobs on that PG style and distant. Eat my socks, ox, dragon slayer, modified with lasers. What we need right here is some good old taters. Back to back clamshells of the King Crusader. The 